sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Another edition of Fantasy Sports Today coming at you here on this Tuesday as we look forward to a ton of postseason baseball back on the diamond, of course, today. News in football as well with a new coach for the Houston Texans incoming. A recap of Monday Night Football and, of course, the NBA Finals really takes an interesting turn tonight to see if the Lakers can take a commanding lead in the series or if the Miami Heat are able to tie this thing up. This is Fantasy Sports Today. I'm Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. We waited for months and months to have everything going on at once, and so it's a great time to be a sports fan, great time to be a fantasy fan, just not a great time for your fingers if you are still one of those that use the TV (laughs) remote. Well, yeah, I mean, unless you're changing channels with your mind, which is a very high-level thing, Craig Mish can actually do that. People don't realize he goes like this, and all of a sudden he can actually process, he can split the screen, he can do the picture-in-picture, he can do a lot of things. It's a special talent that he has. But yes, all the sports you could possibly handle and more – And it seems like just yesterday we were talking about coaches possibly being fired and which ones might be on the hot seat. And wouldn't you know it, just a few hours later, not only a new coach for the Texans, a new GM as well, because he wore two hats. And now now he's going to have to go to the hat store and get another one because he is hatless for the rest of 2020, Bill O'Brien, as he is out as the Texans head coach and GM. And uh, boy, that didn't take too long. And I, I can't say I'm surprised. We got into the discussion yesterday. And uh, I'm just slightly surprised it happened quite as quickly as it did after yesterday's conversation. Yeah, I'm I'm actually pretty surprised. I, I'm not surprised that, that O'Brien was let go. It's, it's just, uh, you know, a lot of other coaches I thought were in worse positions. But uh, apparently, and I read a lot about this yesterday after we were done, uh, they brought in Brian Gain to oversee things. And uh, apparently, for whatever what's being reported right now by several different outlets, that he did not see eye to eye with O'Brien. So certainly they'll have a different GM and a different head coach. And I got to say, being fired in the middle of a pandemic ain't nothing worse than that. So it just goes to show you, in in his particular case, just how awful things were. And uh, look, I got to say, going back into the offseason, I thought that Houston uh, was going to be better than what people thought for sure. Uh, The way that I looked at it was how how bad can one man be trading away all his draft picks, trading away his best player, and, and this is somebody that's running an NFL team. And, and, and look, these guys are smarter than us nine out of ten times and six out of seven days of the week. And, and I thought that a lot of the, I would say, criticism was sort of unfair because, I mean, this is a guy running a, an NFL organization. Who might have questioned that? But there's no doubt that, um, that, yeah, it just did not work out for him at all. And so certainly Bill O'Brien's the first one gone. But, again, we got better things to talk about here today than a coach that's gone. Let's dive into our headlines today here on the show. Of course, that is a big story today. There's no doubt about it, and we'll see who ends up uh, being hired by Houston. Hopefully it's not some retread, maybe Eric the Enemy or someone like that. But it's going to have to happen after the year. Uh, also, uh, in baseball, exciting games yesterday. The A's led the Astros. Astros come all the way back. They, tame, they take game one against Oakland. And certainly that's a, a very big win for them to come back in the way that they did. Uh, how about Giancarlo Stanton? Hasn't been a hero in the postseason at all and hits a grand slam to put this game out of reach for the Yankees and give them a game one win. Uh, he and certainly Garrett Cole involved in this one and Aaron Hicks too. Uh, Packers and Chiefs, two Monday night football games last night. And, and uh, you know, neither game was really exciting, to be honest with you. But uh, both teams moved to 4-0. and um, you know, New England did their best for a while, and then it just the second half didn't go their way. And, and I thought that Green Bay is 
is just a massive, massive uh, team going into this season that no one figured they would be this good offensively. And I don't know if it's if it's the play calling or if it's the defense or it's the motivation. No one really knows for sure. But Green Bay looks like a, a Super Bowl contender at this point. Uh, Browns, Nick Chubb out six weeks with an MCL injury. So certainly we dove a little into that yesterday. We'll dive some more in tomorrow when the waiver wire hits. And really good news for the Tennessee Titans as they have no negative tests in their facility. So it looks like they'll be back on the field. I don't know what their team will look like, but it looks like they will be back on the field on Sunday. They're going to have to be in a position to bring in some free agents for sure because they only have five guys that are available on their reserve squad. They're going to have to bring in at least three or four from what I'm reading here too. So, uh, Joe, a lot to take in last night, that's for sure. Two Monday night football games and, and some great postseason baseball. Yeah, they weren't the greatest Monday night football games. You could definitely say that. Uh, I was impressed at the Patriots defense. Uh, I'm sure you're not surprised that I was impressed by the Patriots. But look, you can hold him without a touchdown and him, I mean, Patrick Mahomes for almost three quarters of football. That is a huge win. Unfortunately, they couldn't muster any offense at all. Uh, quarterback play was atrocious from Hoyer and from Stidham. It was just terrible throws all over the place. And I'll give credit to the Kansas City defense. They made the most of those opportunities. The very first play of that game, there was an opportunity for uh, interception there. Went through the hands of McCourty. I think that was kind of setting the tone for all night where there's a lot of missed opportunities. That was a theme. And Robert Tanyan having the game of his life for the Green Bay Packers, being the Falcons. The Falcons go to 0-4. Dan Quinn's seat just got a lot hotter after Bill O'Brien just got fired for starting 0-4. So we'll see what happens in the weeks to come there. But, uh, yeah, what an incredible uh, another output from uh, Aaron Rodgers, who continues to look like he's in that MVP conversation as well. Uh, so it was one of those totals we looked at going into the year where it made sense maybe that, hey, this team really isn't getting enough respect. And so far, the way the Vikings have started out, the way the Bears and Lions have started out, it seems like this is going to be a cakewalk potentially for this division for the Green Bay Packers. And I think that uh, this kid, Tanyan, whoever he is, automatically becomes a, a player to look at this week. They have zero uh, wide receiving core whatsoever. And, and look, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's the flip side of things. Uh, you, the Packers were absolutely crushed during the NFL draft. There wasn't one person that said that they had a good draft. There wasn't one person that said that they could repeat last year. Not only did it not matter what kind of draft they had for at least this year, they're not only doing better than what people thought, they're even above that. It's been a phenomenal start for them. And who is this guy, Tanya? I have no idea. All right, fantasy standouts from last night in Monday Night Football and for Major League Baseball. We'll dive into that next as fantasy sports today continues. So make sure you stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia. We're going to go through our fantasy standouts from Monday Night Football and also from Major League Baseball postseason. Coming up a little bit later in the show, we'll preview the game coming up at 2 o'clock Eastern between the Marlins and Braves and then the Padres and Dodgers. Austin Dean of the St. Louis Cardinals will join us. He played for the Marlins the last couple of years, so he'll give his thoughts on both of those series. That's coming up in about an hour from now, so stay tuned to that. All right, Joe, let's dive into the fantasy standouts from Monday Night Football. Not a ton here. But let's uh, let's see who did what. And we'll start off with Patrick Mahomes, who 
uh, you know, had a pretty good game. I mean, if, if you basically needed a standard from Mahomes and not a 40-point game like from Mahomes, you ended up winning if you were behind 15, 20 points, 236 passing yards, two touchdowns, 28 rushing yards. 15, 20-point game, not what we're used to, and certainly there were some quarterbacks that were ahead of him, but you'll take it. Tyreek Hill, the same, four receptions, 64 yards, and a touchdown. He did what you needed him to do, and Travis Kelsey a little bit light on the catches and yards, but three for 70 in that game as well. Uh, on the on the evening game, the later game, Aaron Rodgers, 27 of 33, 327 pass yards, four touchdowns. Aaron Jones, 15 carries, 71 rushing yards, five receptions, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Jamal Williams also was very involved in this game as well. Jones didn't play for a bit. And then Robert Tanyan, whoever that is, six receptions, <laughs> nine yards, three touchdowns in that game. We do not list any Falcons here because they do not deserve to be listed in this game and uh and, and maybe that maybe that turns out to be the bigger story really from last night maybe. because uh, julio jones got hurt and mm. it looks like he could be out again who knows i, I didn't even see calvin did calvin really get a catch honestly i watched like only uh, I watched the whole game. now calvin, calvin Ridley, julio jones he did play but i mean both those guys were irrelevant in this game and there was a lot of questions swirling whether or not they should have been playing in this game at all so the fact that you pushed julio jones is probably because you're 0 three and you're just trying to get a w here but uh, long term, this is not good because uh, Julio Jones being out for an extended period of time just makes it even tougher uh, for the Atlanta Falcons going forward. But it was more of the same when you watch that football game. It was it was the Atlanta Falcons continuing to not be physical on defense. Anyone who comes in contact with them at any moment, they just fall over. The linebacking play is slow. The secondary play is atrocious in terms of tackling. And uh, I mean, Tanyan's a bigger guy. There's no doubt about that. But I mean, Robert Tanyan wasn't on anybody's radar at all. And I think after he catches maybe the first touchdown, you start to put him on the radar. There's actually a play in that game. I think it was on the third touchdown of Tanyan where the D back basically just kind of made contact with him and fell down and then just stayed down. And the guy just ran right past him and he gets up and he's chasing after him. But he literally stayed down for at least, I would say, a second or so as if the play were over. And it was just stunning to watch the effort level on defense for the Falcons is just so below par. It's just, it's stunning how bad it is. And uh, on the other side of this game, in terms of the wide receiving play, look, no Devontae Adams, no Alan Lazard now, and MVS has to step up. Uh, obviously, Robert Tanya has to step up. And this was a, a great confluence of events for Aaron Rodgers to play against this team right now. But there's another name that you just mentioned there, Jamal Williams, who might become potentially a, a guy that, maybe in flex leagues and these bye weeks might become useful because he is a running back that catches the ball out of the backfield very well. You can't even line him up in the slot sometimes too. So don't be surprised if he gets a little bit more target share than you might think. And he could be a player in these next few weeks, at least until they all get right. It could have a little bit more fantasy value than you realize. So we'll talk probably more about him on Wednesday. All right, let's move over to baseball last night and talk about who did what in those games in the Houston-Oakland game and then, of course, the nightcap with with New York and Tampa Bay. Carlos Correa comes alive. Three hits, two home runs, four RBIs for him and two runs scored. George Springer had the biggest hit of the game, perhaps four hits, an RBI, and a run as well. Uh, and then we move over to the Yankees where Aaron Hicks, three hits, two RBIs, a run scored. John Carlos Stanton in the ninth inning hit a grand slam, which put this game out of reach. And let's also not ignore Randy Arozarena, who is going to be a really interesting name for 2021 and wasn't really much with St. Louis when he was there and kind of given away, to be honest with you. But uh, Arozarena uh, hit seven home runs at the very end of the season in very limited action and has been 
arguably the Rays' best postseason hitter. So he is someone I'll have to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, speaking of Stanton, you may remember many years ago uh, when he was on top of the mountain in July, he ended up winning the home run derby at Petco Park in San Diego. So naturally yesterday morning, my son says, do you think Stan's going to hit a home run tonight because he won the home run derby in San Diego? I said, ah, one thing has nothing to do with the other. Well, he was right. And uh, Giancarlo Stanton afterwards talked about the success that he seems to have at Petco Park. I can't really put it past the, 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 the SoCal. I mean, uh, I, I grew up about an hour and a half, two hours away. So um, yeah, I usually have my family here and, and friends. So that, that's always a good boost. And uh, that first game that my parents were able to come to, so that helps. And, and look, Stanton has had a checkered time with the Yankees for sure. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he hits a home run and knowing this player like I know him from Miami, the one thing that you look at, Joe, and it's not necessarily the home run, the grand slam or anything else. This guy is all about confidence. When he has confidence to hit, he's probably the most dangerous hitter in baseball. And when he doesn't, you throw a slider outside and he doesn't hit it and he could strike out 17 times in a row. So this is a really good sign for him. And certainly game one, when you think sometimes pitching overtakes hitting, it didn't really play out that way especially on the side of Tampa Bay, because the Yankees now in a short series, five games, essentially only have to win two of the next four. And I, it's just kind of hard to envision the Yankees going worse than two and two. But that's sort of where when you win that first game in a five game series, mm -hmm. it's huge. And when you beat Blake Snell, it's even more huge. Uh, so, yeah, that's a huge thing. Uh, Blake Snell giving up a ton of home runs in this game. That's not good. And uh, I will tell you, you know, Stanton's had a really tough career up and down. Just, I mean, even from getting hit in the face in Milwaukee. I mean, he's had a lot of injuries, a lot of great moments too, winning home run titles, winning home run derbies, all of this. But it has really been an unbalanced career for Stanton. So this is a really nice story if he can keep this up and continue to be productive in the playoffs. I mean, Judge hitting a home run yesterday was good. Uh, if his Akawa continues to produce – you might have seen the end of Gary Sanchez in New York, too, because he had a good game last night as well. And whenever you beat the team's best pitcher there, and you can argue if it's Snell or Glass now, that's a fair argument, I think, to have this year. But look, they beat up on him pretty good. And then that five spot, definitely in the ninth inning, that's definitely a game changer. That's it. That's the end of the game there. The momentum's completely gone to one side. And you're right. Right now, Glass now start becomes most imperative because without that, the series is over before it even begins potentially this week. So uh, it's great to see Stanton healthy. This is what we've been talking about. Can he get Judge? Can he get Stanton healthy in the playoffs in enough time? And if the answer is yes, then you have a really good shot. And guess what? Both those guys went yard yesterday. They've already had some good playoff series and some good at-bats, so that looks like the Yankees are maybe getting hot at the right time, which is a problem for the rest of the league. And I'll throw this one last caveat in there, too. Taking those Rays pitchers away from that Tampa ballpark at home is also a tough thing because that is a very uh, pitcher-friendly environment. And whenever you're taking them out of there in that controlled area in terms of, obviously, the weather's not an issue. Uh, we all have the ball plays there. It's a very pitcher-friendly environment. When you take them out, that is a very different story as well. And I think that's also kind of a negative that they're working against in this series. It's going to be really interesting because normally what you see with teams in this spot is they come out game two after winning game one. If you're usually the underdog or it's about even and you try and eliminate the other team, like you go up 2-0 and it's pretty much impossible. And I hate to say it, but the Yankees are sort of doing the opposite here. So they're throwing Davey Garcia tonight. And I'm not saying that he isn't good, and I'm not saying that he can't win, but I do not want to be Aaron Boone if for some reason they lose tonight <laughs> and lose this series because they've got a lot of other options there. 
and they're choosing to go with the young guy here tonight. And certainly Glass now, I think in terms of pitching, has the advantage here. But maybe he, maybe Boone sees these bats and just basically says it doesn't really matter. So. Very curious to see how this plays out, and then certainly today's game will be very interesting. We got the Marlins and Braves coming up at 2 o'clock Eastern, and then later on tonight we have the Dodgers taking on the San Diego Padres. But coming up next, I think that this is probably the most fascinating game on all uh, throughout the whole entire week. And, of course, here I live in South Florida, so we're just very happy to have great sports going on. We got the Marlins at 2 o'clock Eastern, and then tonight – we have the Miami Heat taking on the Los Angeles Lakers. Jimmy Butler coming off maybe Miami's best postseason performance of all time, not taking anything away from Dwayne Wade, who had probably the most epic finish of any game you know, in a Heat uniform when he ended up single-handedly beating the Dallas Mavericks in the finals. But there's no doubt that Jimmy Butler's triple-double will see if it carries over tonight. Will he get some help? Will they get their players back injured? It's a lot of interesting DFS to talk about with this tonight. Which way do you go? Jeremy Gregg have the tip drill coming up after Chris's update. I'll tell you. Go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey everybody, what's going on? I am Greg Sussman, joined today by Jeremy Stein of Sports Creators here to break down game four of the NBA Finals between the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers. What's going on, Jeremy? The Heat put on a beautiful dis defensive display in game three, and it looks like they have every intent to make this a competitive series. Jimmy Butler with a 40-point triple-double. We'll get to him in just a moment. We begin with the MVP tonight in this showdown slate. And you're once again going with LeBron James. Fading Anthony Davis, not just in the MVP spot, but you're fading him overall tonight. What's, the, what's going with eight? Why are you choosing LeBron James as your MVP? And why are you fading Anthony Davis overall? What we saw last game was the Heat were playing a zone defense and they very frequently double teamed Anthony Davis. And that wasn't something that he was able to figure out easily, which is why he didn't have a great game. LeBron James is built for the zone defense. He plays basketball very much like a linebacker and he loves driving to the hoop. Although he did not do that as I expected he would have in that game, particularly when he had fa very favorable switches. He was being defended by Harrow and Robinson. You know, this game, he's just gonna power right through that and drive to the rim. And I really think he's gonna penetrate that defense. With the zone defense being so successful for Miami in game three, we expect to see more of it here in game four. LeBron excelled, Anthony Davis not so much. So he's the fade, LeBron's your MVP. And we continue on with our DFS showdown slate. We get next to our star player, and that is the aforementioned Jimmy Butler, who dropped that 40-point triple-double in game three. And if the Heat are going to tie up this series tonight, we're going to need another monster game out of Jimmy Buckets. That's really the only reason that I have him in my lineup. Typically, I don't like him from a fantasy perspective. He just doesn't put up the fantasy points that you require. He's an excellent player, but sometimes that just does not translate into fantasy points. He really needs to have the game that he had last time. And the reason why he was able to put up so many points, to be perfectly honest with you, 
was he wasn't being double teamed. And I'm not sure if the Lakers are going to take that strategy or not, because if they do double team him, that's going to open up a lot of opportunities for Harrell, or it's going to open up a lot of opportunities for Robinson at the wing to take a lot of shots from beyond the arc. Butler is awesome both offensively and defensively, but at such a high price tag, you're not guaranteed the points. Yes, he gave you 40 points, obviously, in game three, and the Heat are going to need something close to that again tonight. But he's no lock at that end, which makes it a little tricky with this high price. But when he goes off, as you saw in game three, he really provides a ton on both ends of the floor. He is your star player this evening. Let's move over to the pro spot, Jeremy, and that brings us to Tyler Harrow, who's Face was a gift for the last two days. He's $11,000 here as your pro. You get 1.2 times points. So hopefully he gets hot from behind the arc. Exactly. I like to kind of think of him as really the Danny Green of the Miami Heat. He is a little bit streaky at times, but when he actually gets hot from beyond the arc, he's going to put up a lot of points in the multiplier scenario. And in the scenario that I just outlined, if Jimmy Butler is getting double teamed, he's going to get a lot more opportunities and a lot more looks. So I expect him to take probably closer to 17 shots as opposed to last game where he only took 12. Yeah, that Danny Green sharpshooter role fits Tyler Arrow really, really well. We've seen throughout postseasons, both this year and in the past, that in the finals, especially uh, as you get deeper, all these out in the passes from the superstars, they work. And these three-point shooters can get really hot. Danny Green last year for the Raptors, and this year, hopefully in Game 4, it's Tyler Arrow. Finally, your utility spot, a player you're, you're going to put in there and just hope that's Kelly Olynyk, who without Bam Adebayo is just seeing so many minutes for the Miami Heat. And with those minutes and this price tag, where tonight he's at $10,000, I think it's just too good to pass up. Exactly. Bam is questionable. I don't think he's going to play. And if he doesn't play, all of the minutes are going to go to Olynyk. So I think he's a must-start in this scenario. And I think he's going to be very chalky. You might actually see him move up into a multiplier position in some lineups. And that is a pretty good play, in my opinion. But I prefer him in my utility spot. Kelly Olynyk may be worth it as a multiplier, depending on what he could do. Certainly, Bam Adebayo's availability will affect that. But Olenek, with all those minutes, well worth putting into your lineups here in Game 4. Jeremy Stein, we appreciate the time. Good luck this evening. Thank you. Have fun. Enjoy Game 4. We'll see you in two days from now as we get ready for Game 5. For Jeremy Stein, I'm Greg Sussman. Have a wonderful night. I'll see you next time right here on the NBA Tip Drill. All right, thanks very much, Greg and Jeremy. Appreciate it. We'll be checking out the game tonight. Have a recap on it here tomorrow on Fantasy Sports Today. But before we get to some more basketball, let's look at some hot and cold players in fantasy football. And it's very easy to identify two wide receivers, Joe, who are really uh, coming alive as of late. We'll start off in Minnesota, where former LSU wide receiver Justin Jefferson has really found a liking to the balls that are being thrown by Kirk Cousins. Last two games, 11 receptions on 14 targets, 278 yards and a touchdown. And if you go back and look at his first two games, there really was no indicator to show that all of a sudden he would come alive like this. And the only problem is now can't pick him up. Everybody's got him in fantasy. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a problem. But I think that if you did pick him up, I think it's very encouraging that he had a good game last week along with Thielen. 
That was the big question, Mark. Is it going to be an either-or situation, which really dominated most of last year for the Minnesota Vikings wide receiving core, where you had the Thielen game or the Diggs game, and you weren't getting a whole lot of both from them if you go back and look in the game log. But having a good game from Jefferson last week on top of the amazing game the week before where Thielen was relatively quiet, this is a big step forward. I was actually very excited about Jefferson as a a long-term investment. I'm very happy to see him showing up in redraft leagues and was being useful. Yes, everybody picked him up last week, but I think even now going forward, you feel pretty good about starting him. And the other guy who's super hot right now, ever since it was a change of quarterback, is Keenan Allen. And if there's such a thing as buying high, I think I would on Keenan Allen because the dude has been absolutely balling since he got to have a new quarterback here with Justin Herbert. Since Herbert's taken over, he is basically averaging 95 yards 10 catches a game and 0.3 touchdowns. So that is a pretty spectacular stat line when you could go out there and think, oh man, this guy's a lock for at least somewhere on, I don't know, 20 points potentially in a given week. That's huge. That's unbelievable. And right now it just seems like Herbert continues to feed him the ball, feed him the ball, feed him the ball. You see, they have a really good rapport. They have a really good communication level too on the field. And Anthony Lynn and Hard Knocks was talking about the key to this offense for us to be good is feeding the ball to Keenan Allen. And now that Austin Eckler's out, and now they're going to have to move some pieces around, whether it be with Joshua Kelly or with Justin Jackson, I'm telling you right now, it could even mean more Keenan Allen. If that's possible, and it very well might be, you could even see an uptick potentially for Keenan Allen, which is great for his fantasy value. And I think it's very difficult to take the reins away from Justin Herbert after another pretty good performance. I mean, let's be honest. If he's the future of this organization, I think right now, if you're a Chargers fan, you feel pretty good about it. And this was another quarterback I had reservations about coming out of the draft. But so far, Craig, I would say it's been a pretty good showing over three games for Herbert. It has. His numbers have been good. They're not winning, though. So I'm curious to right. see what will happen this week. I know it's not necessarily his fault and his stats have been good, but I don't I don't know. I mean, why doesn't Anthony Lynn yesterday just come out and say that he's starting this week? I, I really don't understand that. But uh, especially since he's done it the last three weeks and, and, and basically playing sort of the coy about it hasn't worked. They're mm-hmm. not winning games. So uh, I've made it clear. I think Tyrod Taylor should start. I don't think he should have lost his job over being hurt by somebody on his own team. Clearly he is not able to yet. And my guess is, yeah, Herbert probably will start the rest of the season, but it doesn't mean I have to like it. I don't think it's right. Okay. I will tell going you this, to real quick, real quick mm-hmm. just to throw that in there. Cause it, you make an interesting point. If Taylor takes over the job, and the Keenan Allen stats start to go backwards at all for a week or even two, jump on that because there will be a change eventually, sooner than later. If they continue to not win games, there's no reason to not play Herbert, which means Allen's stats could potentially come back very quickly. So that makes him a really intriguing trade target if Taylor comes in and the stats go down again. So just keep a close eye on that. Yeah, we'll see. I, I really don't know what the Chargers are doing, but this is nothing new in the last 10 years. So yeah. it's, it's the same thing all over <laughs> All right, let's go to the Colts players, the Indianapolis Colts. Poor Naheem Hines is just being phased out of their offense. And he had a great week one, and unfortunately the last couple of weeks it really just hasn't worked for him. But, uh, look, this this can't be a huge surprise, Joe, to anyone. I suppose maybe a little bit of one, only because Marlon Mack is not playing and he's out for the year. But uh, Hines is cuttable, I think, in fantasy leagues. Unless you have Taylor. You have Taylor, I think you probably got to hold him. But I don't think there's any other reason to hold him. No, I mean, it's terrible. Week one, the guy was incredible. 20-something fantasy points. He's got 13 combined fantasy points in the last three weeks. He's absolutely cuttable. It's Jonathan Taylor's backfield. And you're right, it is a little surprising because with Marlon Mack out, you would think they would spread it around a little bit. But no, it's not happening right now. So 
you got to cut him and move on. And Daniel Jones is another guy who's ice cold right now. You know, last year when there was no Saquon Barkley, his numbers dipped significantly. He did not have a passing game over 225 yards without Barkley last year. And guess what? So far this year, the one game where he had Barkley healthy, 19 fantasy points. Okay, great. Without Barkley, he's averaging just 10. Basically, you just cut Daniel Jones' productivity potentially in half for the rest of the season. And that is terrible because I think a lot of us in the Superflex community thought Daniel Jones would be a pretty good, a viable QB too in those leagues. And without Saquon Barkley, they're showing that they are not. And I don't think Devontae Freeman or anybody else in that running back group is going to step up. I know Sterling Shepard's been hurt too. So they are not the healthiest team right now. But still, Craig, that is ice cold, and that is a big problem going forward for the Giants and for anybody who's got him as a QB, too, because you go back and look last year, it was more of the same. Without Saquon, you don't get Daniel Jones producing fantasy points, and if that's going to be the case the rest of the year, you should be looking elsewhere. Maybe it is time to pick up a Tua and start speculating and some other quarterbacks that might be floating out there on the waiver wire. Yeah, and, and look, the only thing going good for the Giants is their record against the spread. They're 2-2, two and two, even though they're 0-4. <laughs> so at least that they've cashed in for some betters. And and by the way, ESPN reported earlier that uh, Tua not going to be starting this week. We'll dive into that a little bit later in the show. Okay, Hot Take Tuesday is coming up next, and we'll go over some of the hot topics in fantasy. So make sure you stay tuned to that as well. And then in the second hour of the program, which is a little bit over 45 minutes from now, Austin D, St. Louis Cardinal, is going to join us and we'll break down the two postseason games in the National League. That's coming up right here on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. So don't go anywhere. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today, sportsgrid.com. That's the website. You can check us out. All of the shows that we do right here, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The great Scott Farrell coming up a little bit later on Sports Grid, going coast to coast, of course. In-game live, you can watch the guys react to the games, which would include tonight's NBA game, the Major League Baseball postseason, and all of the live action that we have. Uh, they're reacting every night right here on Sports Grid. Craig Miss, Joe Pizzapia back here with you until 2 o'clock Eastern here on this Tuesday. Dr. Chad will be with us tomorrow to go over some of the injuries in football. But it is Hot Take Tuesday, Joe. So let's dive into some potential moving and shaking in fantasy. You ready to go? Yeah, get your gloves on, baby. It's time for the hot takes. Woo! Let's do it. All right, so here we go. We'll start off with Kyler Murray. The very disappointing Arizona Cardinals over the last couple of weeks have just completely fallen apart. Kyler Murray uh, will lead the Cardinals in rushing this season, Joe. Uh, <laughs> is that a hot take here on this Tuesday? Oh, this one's close. Right now, Kyler Murray has 265 yards rushing. Kenyon Drake has 254. But one other guy is 59, and that's Chase Edmonds. And I believe... In the next couple of weeks, you're going to see Chase Edmonds start to get some more playing time and some more opportunities because Kenyon Drake so far has not been great. So if that's going to be the case, you might very well likely see Kyler Murray do this. This is not a hot take. I think he's going to probably, you know, at this point in time, you're looking at somebody who could even be approaching a thousand yards rushing. I don't know if you want Kyler Murray to be doing that. But it's certainly coming in that sphere where it's possible he could be getting to that number at some point in time. So 
I don't know about you, Craig. I don't think it's a good idea for him to be, but I think it's going to be a default option where at this point, yeah, I could be Kyler Murray leading his own team in rushing, which I don't think that's what you want to do if you're the Cardinals. I don't think this is why you keep Kyler Murray upright very long, but uh, I would say I think Chase Edmonds is the guy to be talking about, maybe more tomorrow on Waiver Wire Wednesday. What do you think? You think Kyler Murray is going to lead his own team in rushing and in passing? I don't think it's a hot take, but I also think that one of those two guys will end up leading the team in rushing. Uh, I don't think it will be Drake. Uh, Drake, I don't know how he did so well last year when he came into Arizona. I guess he came in with a chip on his shoulder, and it was really a career-saving deal for him uh, after he was just basically given away by Miami. But I, I think you're starting to see the reason why Miami gave him away. I'm not saying that Adam Gase got a lot of things right, but uh, this was one of them. Um, and, and I think that, yeah, I think Edmonds, who I own, uh, is is definitely worth a pickup in some fantasy leagues mm-hmm. because his, his uh, pass catching ability out of the backfield in PPR leagues could be very important. And Drake, for whatever reason, and I'm not sure why this is, and by the way, Carolina's defense isn't good. Uh, Drake, for whatever reason, is just not running up the middle. Every time he gets the ball, he's running sideline to sideline. That's not who he is. And and so no. he's just got to fix himself. And, and maybe he will. And remember, last year it was November and December that he came alive. Maybe that will be the case again this year. But it has not been a good start for Drake, that's for sure. RB2 down the drain at this point. Okay, let's move over to the New Orleans Saints. And Michael Thomas is coming back for them. Great comeback win for the Saints against Detroit this past week. He's going to come back, Joe. And the Saints will now roll off 10 wins, get to 11 or 12 wins this season. You know what? He's one of the best players on the planet, so I don't think this is a hot take. However, I'm going to throw this one little wrench into things, which is I still think that New Orleans defense leaves a lot to be desired. I think they're a little older, a little slower. You can see there's moments where they have little hiccups where that wasn't always the case. But I think whenever you add a talent back to an offense, it's already got Alvin Kamara and one of the great quarterbacks to play ever in the NFL. And adding Michael Thomas back into that mix is probably – the recipe for rolling the rest of the season. And they're going to need to, because I think Tampa's putting some pressure on them right now. Every week, Tampa gets a little bit better. Yes, they've had some injuries of their own. We'll see if Fournette can get ready for Thursday night football. doesn't look like it's very good right now. Godwin's been out. But still, Tom Brady and the will of Bruce Arians seems to be rolling right now for Tampa. So New Orleans has a dogfight on their hands, and getting Michael Thomas back is probably going to be the the thing they need the most to get back to being that identity of what they were in previous seasons, which is a dominant team. However, I don't know if the defense can step up to that same level. The offense certainly can. And I think when Thomas comes back, I do think they will roll. And I do think that eventually they do win this division despite the slow start. What do you think, Craig? Yeah, it's, it seems very reasonable. And I think that the Saints are a good team, not great. I think that their season win-loss record will probably be a little overrated going into the playoffs. And there'll be something, there'll be somebody, a team I fade, I think, going into the playoffs. But I could definitely see 10 or 11 wins. And and look, the Saints are a good team to me. I, I think Tampa has shown that they have a chance to be better. I wouldn't have said that going into the year, but it does look like that is the case. Uh, all right, now let's go over to uh, Dalton Schultz of the Dallas Cowboys in what probably is the softest hot take we've had in a while here, Joe. I don't understand this mm. one here. Dalton Schultz will end up a top five tight end by season's end. Of course that's going to be the case. Why is this a hot take at all? Well, he's, he's I don't know. Well, well, I mean, who's so, better than so him? George Kittle. Well, than him? George Kittle, Kelsey, okay. Andrews, yeah. Waller. Uh-huh. That's uh-huh. four. Okay. So he's after that, so Why not? So I, I don't know. Well, you know, he's five, but you made fun of me and you're like, I have no idea who this guy is. Why'd you put him in there to now four weeks later, all of a sudden this is like, well, this isn't even a close to a hot take. This is ice cold because Dalton Schultz is the top five tight end. I don't know if you want to put him up there right now. I think he's got a shot, 
but I, I'm, I, I mean, I guess at some point in time, the Dallas Cowboys offense has to stop throwing the ball 500 yards a game. Maybe not. Maybe they do. I think he's definitely got a shot at it. There's no doubt about it, but he's got to leapfrog a couple other guys in there like Ertz, like some other people that might have uh, more of a path in terms of usage in their offense. But he's definitely going to be in that conversation. So I'm, I'm more curious. I should shut up right now. And I should hear you talk yeah, about why he is top take, five already. A hot take would have said, yeah, a hot take for this would have said top three. Then at that point, it was debatable. But this isn't even debatable. There's a really good chance that this happens. So you I already mean, want to put him over Waller, and you want to put him over Andrews? Again, this is hot take Tuesday. So if we're coming up with hot <laughs> take, there's, at least we can debate that. This is not right, debatable. Well, let's debate it. Let's change it. Top three. Is he there or not? End of the season. It's very, it's very close. There's a chance. It, it's still not a hot take, but it's at least closer. Like I mean, don't right now in fantasy. Well, going Hunter into Henry. The week, there's a bunch of guys who are more established. Okay, out here there. you go. Ready? You have both guys. Who are you starting this week? Oh, Hunter Henry or Dalton Schultz? Yeah. Uh, well, if Tyrod Taylor's playing point. quarterback, I'm starting Schultz. You're right. Doesn't matter. Hey, Herbert's playing. I got Schultz Herbert's everywhere. Playing. I'm the sh- I'm the president of the fan club for Dalton Schultz. You're talking to the choir right here. I'm just so happy. Has nothing to do with the other. Answer the question. You, you uh, Justin Herbert is, ju- yeah, Justin Herbert is starting this week. Who are you starting at tight end? Hunter Henry or Dalton Schultz? Probably still Schultz. Okay, I'm a dope uh, like that. Does Philadelphia play this week or no? I don't know. Uh, I got to look at the schedule. Actually, we've been so stuck on week four. I don't even started to really dig into week five. I'm sure they are. Here's, here's the bottom line. Bottom line. In a fantasy league going into this week, all things being equal, which is probably not fair because we do have to look at matchups, but all things being right. equal, I can only tell you for me. George Kittle, it's a ridiculous conversation. Of course, you're starting George Kittle. Of course, you're starting Andrews if you have Andrews and Schultz. The Eagles I mean, play the on. Steelers this week. That's that's who they play. So, okay, yeah, so I think you better start Dalton Schultz against whoever versus Zach Ertz against the Steelers. Who are you starting? Ah, I'm with you. Dalton Schultz, my guy. Top five. He's definitely a top five guy. It's not even hot. Not even hot. Very cool. And and you know who I feel bad for in all this conversation? Blake Jarwin. Because I think that Blake Jarwin, we've been having the same conversation about him. I don't want want to leave Jonu Smith out of this conversation either just because he didn't play this last week. But Jonu Smith has been fantastic for the first three weeks of the season. So I don't want to just completely dismiss him. That's another name that's been very good as well. Noah Fant, although he's hurt right now, another guy that I think is very talented. There's some talent here. So I was saying top five, but I like where your head's at. Top three, sky's the limit. Dalton Schultz, greatest tight end of all time. Let's do it. Great. No, he looks – look, come on. I mean, playing in that horrible uh, defense that they have, and they're just constantly throwing. And, and and by the way, I'll tell you this. I don't think Blake Jarwin would be doing this. I don't think so. No. I think this guy's better than Jarwin. So, all right. Uh, let's now go. that's a hot take. <laughs> I think he is. I mean, Jarwin's never proven a thing. Well, all right, let's go to the Carolina Panthers. Mike Davis. Mike Davis has been great and and certainly has proven himself in Carolina. He's been you started him the last two weeks. You're just loving life. If you handcuffed him for some reason with McCaffrey, wow, that was a great move. Um, okay, uh, he'll have a role when McCaffrey comes back, Joe. I think he should, but I think that's a tough sell. I don't know what that role is going to be. So I'm going to say this actually is a hot take. I, I think it would be smart going forward, at least early in the first two weeks where McCaffrey comes back, to ease him back because I think we should have learned a little bit from last year's Saquon Barkley with the same injury that rushing him back and giving him a full workload is not the best idea. But, I mean, Christian McCaffrey, last two years, is the best fantasy player on the planet. He's possibly the best weapon in all the football, you can argue. 
So how do you give up any touches for a guy that nobody knew who he was a couple weeks ago? So I find that hard to believe. I think it's going to be a hot take, but for the betterment of the, you know, the last two weeks, 2-0 and without McCaffrey, Carolina Panthers, and for the benefit long-term of CNC in this season, it would be smart to keep him involved in the offense. I just think it's going to go back to Mike Davis going to the bench. What do you think? Yeah, in fantasy, there's nothing you can do here because everybody knows the situation when McCaffrey comes back. So this is not like a player that you can get all sneaky with and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to trade you Mike Davis. No one's going to do that deal. So it's a silly conversation to have. The Panthers should be having that conversation. The Panthers, yes. no matter what, are not going 9-7, and 10-6. And, and even if they do, they're not winning the Super Bowl. They're, they're above expectations. The only problem is, is that running backs are just worthless overall. You can draft one in the third, fourth round. Get a guy to replace you. I mean, a guy from South Florida who never saw an NFL snap led the Browns in rushing this past week. I mean, that tells you everything. But if for some reason the Chargers can hang in this thing without Eckler, maybe they grab Mike Davis. Uh, the Giants are already out of it. The Jets are sort of, you know, yeah, Jets are out of it for sure. Um, so I don't know that there's a landing spot necessarily for him. But if Carson was to get hurt or one of the good teams that needed a running back, I would throw a fifth-round pick at Carolina's way. They got Davis for nothing, Carolina. They get a draft pick back, and you know he has no future there. It's all it's all McCaffrey, and they could put Bonifant in there, and he'd be just fine. So I think the Panthers should try and trade him at the deadline if they can. But again, hmm. Joe, it's just so hard to trade running backs. I mean, Leonard Fournette, who is worthless, but was worthless. <laughs> Uh, going into the season and and you can see they got nothing for that guy and and so i, I don't know that they'll be able to get anything back honestly no it's so. yeah, look i think somebody will give you something for mike davis i think he showed enough that they could speculate it's whether or not you want to lose that insurance policy all right let's move on to the cincinnati bengals joe burrow best rookie quarterback since andrew luck and uh, I is this, is this still... reality or fantasy or both? <laughs> Look, I, I think this is uh, this is not a hot take. I think he is. And I think uh, a more mobile version. So uh, I love what Joe Burrow's done. He's setting records. He's been fantastic. So uh, two thumbs up enthusiastically for me. I know you were skeptical more so than I about Joe Burrow. So has he kind of changed your tune yet? Yeah, he looks great. There's no doubt. I'm just trying to think: is is he really the best rookie quarterback since Andrew Luck? I, I can't. I guess I can't come up with another one because Mahomes was a second year and right. Jackson was a second year. Am I missing somebody else? No, a lot of second year guys popped, and even rookies like Russell Wilson or Ben Roethlisberger. Was Josh Allen like a rookie last year? Or no? Uh, Josh Allen, no. Two years ago, he played in the second half of the year and had a really promising start in 2018 to the end of the season. But uh, no, overall, so it's just, it's uh, just that's... Burrow and Murray. Those are the only two that. The, uh, Murray, kind of Burrow. No, they, you know what? It's a lot of guys who sat the first year, which should be telling because everybody wants to throw these guys out there to the Wolves. But maybe, just maybe, this is the right way to do it. Have a guy sit for a year, learn, get confident, and then come out there. So what Joe Burrow's doing is a lot closer to what Andrew Luck was doing than probably anybody else in the last decade or so. Yeah, Russell Wilson was also in that. In he that was. He was too. a rookie, but not a great rookie season for him statistically. A Good yeah. win season, but not statistically as a. Quarterback. So I guess he is. Yeah, I guess I guess there's really the only competition is Murray, and Murray came on late in the year, but mm-hmm. he uh, still threw a lot of picks and stuff. So and made some bad decisions too. So yeah, this seems reasonable. Yeah, can't can't argue that. Okay, coming up next, it's time for us to do a little fantasy trivia. So make sure you stay tuned to that, and then we'll be back for hour two here on Fantasy Sports Today with a little bit of preview of the baseball game to go off here in about an hour from now. Make sure you stay tuned. Stay on the grid to Fantasy Sports. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We've got our headlines in about five minutes here on Fantasy Sports Today, diving into the baseball postseason. We'll do a lot of that in the second hour of our show. We're here two hours every day here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com, noon to one on the East Coast and then one to two as well. And if you're on YouTube, you can set a playlist for us, and basically you can watch our show one right after the other, hour after hour. I know everyone has better things to do than that. But 15 minutes at a time is what I recommend, and then you'll be very happy with that. All right, let's I don't play know, fantasy. Man. You go down the rabbit hole. No, man, you binge watch all hours. Hour, you just hours, hours, and hours like it's Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones. You just binge because you never know where the story's going to turn. It's going to be unbelievable. Who knows? That could be like Game of Thrones. Maybe one of us isn't here next week. One of us kills the other. You never know. That's why you watch. Could be. You never know. All right, let's do some <laughs> fantasy trivia here to end the hour here, and let's take a look at it, Joe. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and ask the question, and I'll give the answer. All right, three good names here have been very productive, but which one of these three names has had the most targets, receiving targets in 2020? Is it A, Terry McLaurin, wide receiver of the Washington football team? Is it B, Robbie Anderson, wide receiver of the Carolina Panthers? Or is it A, running back, Alvin Kamara of the New Orleans Saints? Craig, who has the most targets? Feels like the answer is A, but I know that that's the Mm. easy one. So I'm going to say B, Robbie Anderson. You are incorrect. In fact, he is third on this list with 34. Alvin Kamara with 35. The winner was the easy one. It's right. It's Terry McLaurin. Your first instinct is the best one. He is sitting atop with 39, which is pretty impressive because everybody's talking about what a great year Robbie Anderson's having. And oh my God, Alvin Kamara is the greatest thing since sliced bread. But little old Terry McLaurin, back-to-back years, just go ahead, chugging along, getting a ton of targets, getting fantasy points. Not the best quarterback play, not the most prolific offense to say the least. But how about that TMC, man? Not a bad season again for him starting out in 2020. 39 targets. That's pretty good over four games. Yeah, he's uh, he's really been great. And two years in a row, he's given fantasy owners a lot to cheer about, no doubt. We'll give you a lot to cheer about coming up in our second hour of the show. Our headlines are next. And then Austin Dean from the St. Louis Cardinals joins us to preview the postseason games in Major League Baseball. So make sure you stay on the grid. Keep it right here to fantasy sports today we've got a lot more coming for you right here on sports grid and sportsgrid.com go away sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com